the whole social media thing, especially the YouTube thing, is very new to the art world. Like, and in traditional art values, don't those don't like mix at all. When I started the channel and I was still in school, like I definitely did not have approval on that from some of my more like traditional photography teachers. And now that it's kind of grown, it's interesting to see people's reactions to it. Like I talked to a photographer, Jack Latham, recently. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a professor as well in England, and I respect his work so much. And he was like, "Dude, I think like you got to keep doing the YouTube thing. Like I think that's just a new thing in the art world." And that was insane for me to hear that. I'm glad I kept going with it, even though I got kind of that negative advice from them at first. On today's episode of the Contact Sheet, we're sitting down with Willem Verbeek. Hey everyone, so just real quick uh, before we start today, I just want to say a huge thanks uh, for everyone who's taken the time to leave a review or a rating of the podcast. Uh, the support really has been amazing and it, it does help a lot to get the show out there in front of more people. So thank you all for that. Uh, in today's episode, I am chatting with Willem Verbeek, who I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. Willem is a photographer based out of New York City, and he also runs one of the biggest film photography channels on YouTube. And I've been a big fan of Willem's work for a while now. He's uh, incredibly talented, and his images really never cease to impress me, uh, especially his latest body of work that he created in the Arctic. So in this episode, we chat about Willem's decision to leave school to pursue photography full-time, the importance of adapting as you go, uh, his journey with his YouTube channel, and also details about his latest project, Walking Svalbard. So I got to say, I really loved this talk with Willem, and I hope you all enjoy. So, uh, yeah, man, thanks for uh, joining me and taking the time. Sweet to uh, finally be able to chat and catch up, hear your story a little bit. Yeah, man, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to finally have a proper chat with you as well. Probably a good place to start, just super brief. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know, obviously, who you are and what you do, but mm -hmm. maybe if you could just give me a quick uh, kind of rundown about uh, what it is that you do. For sure. My name is Willem Verbeek. I'm a photographer mainly based in New York City, but I'm originally from Belgium. Um, and I do a lot of photography, but I also make YouTube videos just like Kyle does all about kind of my own photography little bit of film photography as a theme throughout it all and yeah sweet and so you we were talking just briefly through messages and so you're from belgium but you said you lived in uh london in the uk for a bit yeah and was was that where you lived before uh you moved over to new york yeah so i did live in london for quite a bit growing up just because of what my family was doing i lived on the outskirts of london not like central london but I really do miss that place. And now you're there. So I actually found out that Kyle lives super close to where I used to live, which is really funny. It's like, a, it's like a new world for me here. Yeah. How is that coming from Canada? It's, uh, yeah, you know what? It's like different, but not that different, really. Mm. I mean, okay. you, you know, it's still like, it's not like a culture shock by any means, right? Like, yeah. In terms of like language and familiar sites and, and whatnot. But uh yeah, more of like visually a, a new experience for sure, mm -hmm. which is cool. Especially for the photos. I'm excited to see your images from there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Definitely a big change from from what I'm used to, but be cool. Um, so you moved from London to New York, and did you go by like was that uh, a move by yourself? Um, sort of. It's kind of my family. My dad moved to New Jersey at the time, and my family was still in London, and he was planning to come back to London. And I applied to the reason I moved to New York was for school, right? What ended up happening was I applied to like five London schools because I thought I was going to stay in London. You know, I was doing high school there at the time. And I was applying for things like mechanical engineering, which is what I thought I was going to go study. And I was really interested in that at the time. And I still kind of am. Um, and kind of has like a one-off. I don't know how the idea came into my head, but I was like, let me apply to a a school in the U.S., you know, because I've always wanted to go to New York, but I knew how much more expensive college was in the U.S. compared to what it would have cost me at the time as a European citizen in London, which I think that's changed with Brexit, but that's a whole different topic. Um, so I was like, you know, let me just apply and I probably won't end up going there. Um, and then I ended up getting all those applications back. I got into the London schools that I wanted um, and somehow I ended up getting a decent scholarship because of portfolio or whatever to Parsons. And I was like, okay, maybe now this is seeming slightly more possible, even though like that wasn't my plan at all. And I applied for product design because that's kind of what my portfolio was aimed at at the time. It was a lot of like wood sculpture. Um, and so somehow I was like, yeah, you know what, let me go to New York and do this. And that's how I ended up there. Interesting. So I'm um, I'm curious then hearing that because I had no I had no idea that that's I just assumed that you ended you went to school over in New York for something to do like related to photography or video or something. So how did like how does photography come into play then? Well, I always was doing video, and after and I I love doing photography at the time too, but it wasn't like enough of a reason to be like I'm gonna go study this. This is you know this is viable as a career for me. Um, so I was doing product design at Parsons and just slowly as I was getting more and more involved in doing photography related things in New York, I was like, I think I want to switch my major to photography. Um, and the, the first year there kind of allows you to do that. They're not, they know that people go in there with very hesitant minds on things. So yeah, just through doing more video and more photography work there. Cool. So then you ended up switching your major from product design to photography. Yeah. And I ended up doing two years at Parsons and then dropped out. Interesting. And yeah, so like I said to you, I, I, I don't know where I would have saw that, but I, for some reason, I feel like I knew that, but I'm, hmm. so like, how did that, how did that come about? Like, tell me about that decision. Like where, wh- how did you get to a point where you were like, you know, maybe school's not for me. I kind of want to go out, like go out of my own type thing. I mean, this is this is very much case specific, and I'm not saying everybody should be doing this. And I'm like, this is not advice, but um, <laughs> I was just I was assisting a lot of photographers at the time and outside of school, and I was also interning outside of school, and I was just I felt like I was learning more and gaining more real practical experience from those things, like assisting. That I was like, even though. I'm still, you know, I just didn't think it was worth it at the time for me. 
especially considering the money that was going into it. And and you know what, like fair, the the thing that I have certainly realized is like school suits people differently, right? Like hundred percent. It, it might work really good for one type of person, and then you know mm-hmm. someone like yourself, you might decide maybe I want to go a different route, and, and that works for you. But absolutely, I I did. Um, two years of film school back in like, oh, it was like 2005 or something. And so I was quite a bit younger than I am now. And and it's interesting now because I think about like, you know, if, would I still make that decision? And like, I feel like I got a lot of value out of it because it gave me like, it kind of gave me, like, put me into like certain circumstances where like I was, I had projects and I had to do stuff. And mm-hmm. I, so it, it made me work a lot, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I would still make that decision nowadays, but I, I think that being said, like it's certainly, you know, your path that you took might not work for someone else, right? Totally. Yeah. And it definitely does put you in an environment where you're like constantly surrounded by the idea of photography and the teachers and people giving you feedback on your work, um, which that's probably the biggest thing I got out of it for me was was feedback from like real professors who are like not afraid to trash your work and be like, Hey, what you're like, this kind of sucks. And like, that's cool because you're in school, you know, for sure, man. And that's important, right? Cause it's like, yeah, it's easy to kind of, um, focus your attention on what you want to see if you're purely just interacting online. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really easy to get good, not in a bad way, but it's really easy to get good responses online and it takes a lot more for somebody you know it's really hard to find like genuine critique that's for honest sure. not for like, sure yeah well and if you get enough of it for too long right like 100%. even if you have the best intentions of how you mm-hmm. kind of take that in it can still kind of jade things a little bit right absolutely yeah that's cool man i think that's like there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that in terms of like i guess school or being surrounded by other professionals that you kind of look up to mm-hmm. and respect right who aren't afraid to to like tell tell you what they think of your work, right? And you can kind of take that in however you want. Yeah, I mean, that's also why, you know, things like portfolio reviews exist outside of school. Like you can go to a portfolio review session in probably a lot of major cities and get your work looked at by real established professors and photographers. For sure. It's almost like school School gives someone like this framework where they're put into all those situations who's mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's good for people who aren't you know the best at initiating that stuff on their own whereas mm-hmm. someone maybe who is doesn't need to like can seek that stuff out on their own right absolutely yeah it's very much about are you self-motivated enough to search all this stuff look for the assisting positions look for the portfolio reviews things like that for sure so uh, then like talking about your work. So I, like I, when I look at your portfolio and obviously I've followed your work for, for a while now, um, you were obviously like, and still are, I'm assuming into like uh, a fashion and portraiture and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of what you were focusing on when you're at school. Yeah, that was kind of the initial interest for me that brought me more into photography was portraiture. And I don't, not so much fashion. I've never I don't know if I'm not a fashion photographer, but definitely portraits like working with a, a music artist is something I still really enjoy. Yeah. And excuse my ignorance. It's like, that's a world that I don't really know anything about. So if I see like a portraiture done in a studio, I probably just call it fashion, which is uh, like definitely the wrong term. <laughs> well, when um, I think of fashion, I think of like Gucci campaigns and for sure, that kind of for thing. Sure. Yeah. 
So, um, like, has that been a big part of your work lately? Like, I know, obviously, following your work, you do a lot of like uh, photographing spaces and environments, and you know, your last two projects that that's kind of been the focus. So, like, have you mm-hmm. seen yourself like trending more in that direction and less in the portraiture? Or? Definitely, a lot of the work that I'm sitting on right now and that I've been focusing more on is is the environmental work, the landscapes, the that kind of thing. Although, you know, the portraits I, I more so do whenever somebody's like, Hey, we have this person we want photographed for a magazine, like, and then I'll gladly do it. But I'm not, sure. I'm not actively seeking that stuff. That's kind of, that's kind Although of cool. I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's really yeah. fun when someone's like, Hey, we want you to do this. Nice. So it's just something that if it comes along, you, you focus on and you're still obviously enjoying or passionate about, but yeah. Uh, and how do you like, how do you balance those two, you know, jumping because they're two very different styles, mm-hmm. right? And for me, I'm always curious about that because, like, I, I'm very, like, rooted in this, like, one focus for my photography work. And I'm even starting to feel it now as I'm, like, I get over here and I'm, you know, going to start a new project soon. And I'm trying to kind of figure out what that is. And it feels so foreign to me to shoot, like, anything else than what I'm used to. So, like, what's that like for you going from one to the other that are both very different? Yeah, it's to me, they feel like totally different worlds. And the way I think about them is also entirely different. Like it's almost the the way I think about video and photography, like portraiture and those landscapes are totally different to me. And I would say the only thing that's that crosses over between them is like color palettes, maybe. But in terms of planning those portraits, it's so it feels like you're producing a little movie set, you know, like when somebody's like, hey, can you take photos of this person? It immediately I start thinking about what kind of studio setups am I going to do? How am I going to light it? Like what kind of colors do I want? Who's going to style this shoot? Who's going to, you know, make sure that whoever we're photographing is in clothes that they're cool and they feel good in and that they're comfortable in. So in that sense, when it comes to actually taking the pictures, I feel like that process is much less involved than when I'm actually out taking landscapes. Like when I'm in a studio taking portraits of someone, like the moment you're actually holding the camera, like 95% of the work has already been done. And it's just about communicating with whoever you're photographing. But I can certainly relate in a way, um, like on the video side of things for me, I did a lot of like commercial work for years, Mm -hmm. Um, especially over the past couple of years, which I've started to get out of now. But that was a big part of it, right? You're working on sets with all sorts of people and, you know, the amount of shots that you're taking on one day are pretty limited and there's so much planning and prep that go into it. Um, exactly. Whereas for me, like in the work that I do, I guess I could relate a little bit to your like uh, landscape work where mm-hmm. you're out and like the really, the only thing you can control is like the light and how you're going to use it, not even control it, but I guess make a decision like what kind of light and when you're going to use it and how and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? When you're going out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally. That's, that's part of what I enjoy about that. Um, it's almost like this challenge to, you know, go out and find these scenes and these compositions and these things mm-hmm. that you can't really manipulate that much. Yeah. Like 95% of the thinking is in the moment, you know, whereas with the studio thing, it's completely opposite. Like you're pre-planning everything. But when, when I'm out taking pictures, like I might look on Google maps for a little bit to scope out where I want to go, but that's about it. Like, 
you really have no idea what the light is going to look like at exactly that minute of the day or whatever, you know? Totally, man. Yeah. So then, uh, like, talking about some of your work, so you have um, your Coney Island project, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, which was a zine, and then you just released, it's Walking Svalbard, right? Is that how you say Yeah, it? correct. Yeah. Which looks amazing. Thank you, man. And that is, so you just wrapped that up. How did, so how did that one come, like, come to life? I'm curious. Like, how did you get the idea for that and pursue it? For sure. I have a, it started with just like a conversation with a, a good buddy of mine, Joel Hippenen, who's based in Norway. And he visited New York, you know, we became pretty good friends. And we were just talking about doing some kind of a, a photography trip together. And Svalbard came up and I, I, you know, I had heard about the Arctic, obviously, but like, just I was so interested in the idea of 24 hours of darkness. And like, they're the northernmost town in the world like that fascinated me i wanted to see kind of what what life was like there what things looked like what the landscape looked like and especially in that darkness so we ended up you know just talking about that for months and then ended up making it happen sometime around christmas i think or the new year when i was in belgium closer to him we were like all right let's do it like and we got in contact with the tourism board and they kind of made it possible for us to do that because it's not super easy to travel there. And what was that like? So like, you know, having this idea for this project and then going to this kind of completely new place that you've only been able to, I guess, research, right, to get an idea of what you're after. So like, how much, how much time did you spend there? And what, what was it like? How did it unfold for you? Totally. Well, what was interesting for me is that all of my other work, like all of my landscapes, which a lot of them I haven't shown. So when I talk about making landscapes, like it's it's hard because I haven't shown many of them yet. But all of that stuff is super impulsive. Like it's like, oh, the weather is this condition right now. Like, let me go out and shoot now. Like I never, I never ever plan any of those things. And it's always very much working on where I am, where I happen to be if I have my camera on me and I find like some interesting lighting condition, that's when I'll go and that's when I'll go out and shoot. So to plan this project for months and then actually have 10 days to be there in that place and realize the ideas that I had was super different to me. And it was just a totally new experience. That's a story of my life. (laughs) Yeah. In terms of like coming up with picture in my head of how, like, you know, having these, um, having these like, uh, assumptions of how something's going to look and then I get there and it's completely different. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'd been looking at that place for months and the thing is there's a lot of pictures of the place in daylight, but not many of it in the night because I guess I'm not sure people don't photograph there as much in the night or at least like the pictures you can find on Google images are like pictures of polar bears and stuff. Um, so definitely I had like an idea in my head of what it was like to go there. But once I got there, like you can imagine that was just totally that fell apart. And like, it was very much still working impulsively. Which is nice. Cause I think, uh, 
you can almost like hearing you describe the lead up to it, right? And working mm-hmm. like impulsively before with all your other work, I can relate quite a bit in, in terms of just going out and, you know, seeing seeing where things kind of go and seeing what captures your attention and stuff. But, you know, all of a sudden you're traveling to a place and you have this like set time, right? Like you're there for 10 days. It's almost like there's yeah. this pressure that you have to, you know, create a certain amount of work in a, in a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, it was just such a strange environment to be in with like not seeing a speck of daylight. And that really got to me mentally, like just waking up day after day in darkness is really weird. I can like imagine, it, dude. Yeah, it just mentally really got to me. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, being there was such a strange experience. And But, but it was... It was the one trip that you did there. Like that, that was the, the one and only for the project. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, ten, I, 10 days is a decent amount of time. It is. It is. Especially on a, on an island where, you know, I was trying to make landscape images and it, it takes 45 minutes to walk across the entire town. So, you know, 10 days was an extensive amount of time there and really got to, to see landscape pretty quick. every single corner, which was really fun. And like going through that town and doing the whole loop of it every day and revisiting spots in different weather conditions was also super fun. Like one day it would be super clear and quiet, like bright sky. And then the next day it would be like a blizzard. So that makes for two totally different images of the same location. Amazing. And, and like from what I, I mean, from what I've seen of it so far, it looks like such a unique landscape. And the cool thing has kind of been the contrast with like your other work I've seen, right? It's very mm. different. Um, so I'm curious, like, you know, having such variety in terms of like subject matter, uh, how have you found finding new projects? Like in terms of like, is it kind of just whatever grabs your curiosity that you go after? Or is there something more like, does something have to appeal to you a certain way? You know what I mean? Yeah, the, I, I always find this hard to say without sounding super pretentious. Let like it rip. Being, it's all good. <laughs> but I I think I'm always just interested in the way that like light works on landscapes. Um so that really is the reason that I feel like I like photographing anywhere. It doesn't necessarily matter where. I don't think I don't think that sounds pretentious at all. I think that there's like a lot of value in that for people to hear because uh, even speaking from my own experience um, obviously, I've been in the UK for just a limited amount of time, but I've walked around with my camera and stuff, uh, and it's an entirely new environment for me. And like, it's been it's been incredibly difficult for me to uh, get excited about anything. But then hmm. there are those there are those kind of odd times where I go out for a walk at like sunset or something, and the lights are yeah. really nice, and all of a sudden it like transforms these really kind of mundane areas and there's all the all sorts of potential absolutely i really like the idea that a landscape is like a still scene it's never changing but when it comes to weather and light and the condition of it like there is a moment within landscape photography which i i never know if i if i call my work landscape photography because that sounds like i'm trying to be ansel adams or somebody taking pictures of the mountains but that's really not what it is because i feel like i do photograph very ordinary things as well so that's where that kind of moment comes in you know and just that can be the influence of light or weather or whatever it might be i think it's a good term 
I mean, I, I struggle with the same thing because you, yeah, you hear landscape photography and you think like traditional landscape photography of like the wilderness and nature yeah. and stuff like that, right? Leaves on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, cool, man. Which is great, but for sure, for sure, yeah. nothing, nothing wrong with that. I, I have, I have struggled for a couple years now with like trying to figure out what to call my work because like I am photographing like essentially environments, yeah. Right? Um, but I'm like, I don't know. I think landscape photography is a good fitting term. Mm, totally. Um, so jumping back just a little bit. So when you left, when you decided that you were going to leave school and then you went out, uh, like, mm-hmm. was there any other like things that influenced that or like what, like, how did those next kind of steps go for you? Um, I just, it was more so just me getting employed more with, uh, video work. I was working for a company called High Snobiety at the time, which is like a fashion media company based in New York. And they started doing more things with me and my YouTube channel started making me a little bit of money. And I was like, okay, I'm at the point where maybe I just want to take a year break from school to kind of figure things out on my own and see if I can just pursue these things on my own time. Because at the, you know, it made sense to me because I was making some income doing those things. And then, yeah, so it started with a year off, which I technically just finished, but I don't really have plans of going back. It seems like a lot's happened in a year. It and really I, has, yeah. I, I obviously want to kind of unpack that a little bit, but um, I think that's a really smart move on your part, man. And I think um, it's something that probably a lot of people think about at times, but maybe not everyone would do because it is kind of scary, right? It's like you're in school, you're going totally. a certain route, and there's like a lot of what ifs, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I I don't know how I came on that decision, but I was just like, let me, you know, a year off didn't feel like a big risk because there was that safety net of going back, which I really didn't want to do. And subconsciously, I knew I wasn't going to do it. But yeah, it was it's just ni- that. It's nice that. to have in the back of your head, though. Yeah. I, I think at times we can all feel like things are a lot bigger of a deal than they are. And not to say like you should act without caution and not think things through but mm-hmm. um i certainly have learned that like you can blow things up and then you can put them back together a lot easier than you might think <laughs> if you need to <laughs> but oh, man. yeah so, i agree so let's talk about that year then um obviously i want to talk about your youtube channel a little bit um because mm-hmm. that's obviously like i'm assuming what keeps you busy just yeah. from my experience knowing how much work goes into putting out content and um i was just speaking with someone about you the other day i can't remember who it was but we talked about your channel briefly and i i was saying to them the thing that impresses me the most about what you do is um obviously your channel has seen like immense growth over what probably like the last year has it been a mm-hmm. year yeah i would say yeah and for me i think what impresses me the most is like a your consistency just because i know definitely know how difficult that is and mm-hmm. then also just like the authenticity behind your work like whenever i watch anything you do it just seems like you're doing it because you enjoy it and there's like this authenticity and like reasoning behind it that is very hmm. kind of uh real not like doesn't feel like you're just creating shit to, to pump it out to try and get people to watch it thanks man um I mean, the consistency thing, if I was making videos that were on your level and your quality, like 
little videos that feel like movies, Kyle, like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do weekly. So I think for me, there's like a nice little compromise somewhere where, where it's between uploading once a week and like still having a nice authentic message. And I honestly, I, that's something that I think about often is I'm like, I, I've been enjoying the stuff that I'm doing, but I'm like, I'm, I guess like in a way I'm searching at times for like maybe the recipe to, you know, lose a little bit of something and add a little bit of something to be able to make, you know, content a little more consistent. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of other variables that go into it as well. Um, So many. Just in terms of like being, having ideas or like feeling, you know, uh, I don't want to say feeling inspired because I kind of hate that word because a lot of the times you just got to get to, you know, get to work and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and start. But uh, so at the beginning of, uh, I guess, when you decided to start posting more regularly and focus on your YouTube channel, um, Mm -hmm. was it something that you kind of made like a decision to do or or did it kind of just evolve like as you started posting more i think it it definitely evolved a little bit it started with a couple of videos which were awful <laughs> and then <laughs> i well that's one funny thing about my channel is like if you go back to those early videos they are just like the difference from the videos that came out a year ago to the ones that are coming out now is astronomical to me like just what i the way i can say things to the camera like i look back at those and i'm like wow i was so uncomfortable (laughs) but i think the the once a week thing is is what made that change happen quicker than what i expected it to be and i think i decided to start uploading once a week just because i was friends with a couple youtubers in new york city who i was also always helping out with filming um and they were, you know, they were just like, yeah, consistency is, is key on YouTube, I think. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, you hear it all the time. And uh, I think, I mean, you obviously know that that's a thing. And mm-hmm. from the, I've had my, my peaks, my valleys, and the peaks are when there's consistent content posted. And the Absolutely. valleys are when, when there's yeah. not. But it make, makes sense. But um, going back to the early videos, mm-hmm. like, don't ever delete those. <laughs> no, I... I I think those it's, are like... It's so hard for me to not do, but at the same time, like, I just won't. You know what? I think there's so much... They are such a testament to, like, the necessity of just starting, right? Yeah. I think I think so many people have ideas to do things, but they either want to wait until, you know, they're polished and perfect or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they maybe just put it off for so long they never do it because they're worried it's going to be crappy, right? But it's like the the reality is is like you just got to start because the only way for them to get better is to just start doing them and posting them and making more and it's inevitable that you're going to look back on the early ones and cringe right? yeah yeah that's a, definitely the reason i just haven't deleted them is you know i like that transparency of people being able to see like oh he's not like some dude who just started doing this out of nowhere for sure so i've realized that I got to like put things in the tank or else it'll run dry in terms of like creativity and energy and stuff like that. Right. And no doubt it's like, it's hard to go out and shoot all the time. At least if for me, I mean, it could be completely different for you. Mm-hmm. No, so absolutely. Is, is that something that's, that you've ever struggled with say over the last year, you know, always trying to be on and always trying to, trying to put stuff out there. 
It's happened more so recently. I feel like it somehow it worked pretty well for like the first year, but more recently I've just had weeks where I've been like, wow, I've really done a video a week for like the past year and a half. And it's like, okay, maybe this week I won't do one and take a break. But also now that I have more of a, a formula, it's been easier to make videos. So right now I have like four videos scheduled or three actually, because one went up yesterday. And that means I can take some time away from thinking about that to just refocus and make sure that that doesn't take over completely, I think, mentally, because otherwise it can get pretty messy. You aren't always, you aren't chasing all the time, right? Yeah, no, it's very, even though I put out the videos once a week, like usually I'll film like three within three days or something and then just spend the rest of the time editing so that I'm not always like thinking about presenting myself, you know? For sure. For sure. That's cool, man. Um, so I, I don't want to stand the YouTube thing for too, too long. Uh, I guess the one last sure. question I'd, I'd have to you about it, uh, more so, I guess, your experience over the last year or so, YouTube and, and social media and all the work that you've done. Um, like, are there is there anything that you've, like, taken away from that, you know, just with us talking about, like, consistency and, and just starting and stuff like that? I think, I don't know if this is what you're asking, but I think that, like, the whole social media thing, especially the YouTube thing, is very new to the art world, like, and in traditional art values, don't those don't, like, mix at all. Which is really interesting because from like the first when I started the channel and I was still in school, like I definitely did not have approval on that from some of my some of my more like traditional photography teachers. They were like, "What are you doing, dude?" And now that it's kind of grown, I you know, it's interesting to see people's reactions to it. Like I talked to a photographer, Jack Latham, recently. I don't know if you've yep, yep. heard of him, but he's a professor as well in England. And he is, you know, I respect his work so much. And he was like, dude, I think like, you got to keep doing the YouTube thing. Like, I think that's just a new thing in the art world. And that was insane for me to hear that, especially coming from those teachers in my school who were like, yeah, this is not that cool, dude. Like what you're doing, like kind of lame doing the YouTube thing. So to just have, I'm glad I kept going with it, even though I got kind of that negative advice from them at first and now to for him to be like yo this is really cool like that was awesome that's really interesting man to hear you say that because uh it's something that i've thought about often as well yeah right I'm sure but I, I think like i think people have a tendency not even just in the art world but just with every like all sorts of things uh in general to like r have a hard time accepting where things are going and what's new and embracing, you know, new opportunities or, um, mm -hmm. you know, almost like romanticizing the past a little bit, right. Of how things used to be. Um, Absolutely. I try to personally look at things, just step back and look at things for what they are and kind of the potential they have. Right. And like, I know social media gets kind of gets shit on at times by different mm -hmm. people and whatnot, but it's like, you know, there's definitely a ton of opportunity, a ton of potential with it. And then just even the fact of like, you know, the social side of it, right? Like being able to like make connections with people and like, yeah. you know, have chats like this and, you know, follow along and, you know, find other people's work. Like it's, it's endless. Mm -hmm. But um, no, it is really interesting to hear you say that because I, I it's something that I've thought about a lot at times. 
I mean, when I when I look at your videos, I see, you know, I know that you're obviously making videos on the internet, but I always love the way that you talk about your ongoing work and like the it's so clear when you watch your channel that like your photography is speaks for itself. Like and there's no there's no second thought to me there that like oh, he's a YouTuber. Like your work speaks for itself, so it like in hindsight that won't matter at all to me, I think. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I I think personally, just in my opinion, I think where people can get caught up at times is like, you know, in my eyes, YouTube's as easy as just like getting on there and being yourself. Right. But I think people can like try and plan and do research beforehand. And there's all this like advice out there to like about like how to have your intros and ask people to subscribe and, you know, be all animated. And like all of a sudden yeah. people are just following a formula and not just like, I look at it as like a platform to just be yourself. And that's what it's kind of all about. Right. For like each one of us to like go on there and like share our unique personalities. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really where, yeah, it's like everybody has a, has a voice. I, I talk about this with my other YouTube photography buddies a lot and, you know, we talk about new channels popping up and stuff like that. And we're, you know, some people in the past have had a negative view on that, like it's competition. But in, in my eyes, like, even if the formula of the videos is slightly the same, like it's about the different ideas and voices and perspectives, I think, dude, on these topics and seeing other people's work is what's so valuable to me, I think. 100%. I could agree more. And, and I think that is something that people get caught up with a lot, right? Is saying like, oh, well, I couldn't do a podcast or I couldn't do a YouTube channel because there's already people doing it, right? And it's like yeah. everything, everything's been done before, right? There's totally. Could, could be a hundred thousand photography podcasts, but like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go and kind of give your unique uh, spin on it because of your personality and your interests and your, your ideas and stuff like that. Right. Or with YouTube yeah. or, or whatever. Right. Absolutely. Like I'd love to see, I always love to see new channels. Cause it's like, I get to see a new person's work. Like maybe somebody in Japan, you know, who's making photos doesn't don't care if it's film, don't care if it's digital, like just to see somebody's perspective and work is, is super cool to me. So yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I've been asked before, like, People ask me like, oh, what do you think about all the people like getting into film and this and that? And I'm just like, it's amazing, man. You know, yeah. people are complaining that film is dying, but then, you know, complaining that pe too many people are getting into film. Right. right? I don't it's understand like... that either. Yeah. And it's I feel like it's the same people who make those complaints. For sure. For sure. I yeah. Don't get it, man. But, I'm, yeah. It, I'm like, I will support and uh I will support anyone in any kind of creative endeavor that they go down. 100%. Yeah. I think it's a, I think there's a lot of value in that for both parties for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, cool, man. So getting back just to the channel really quickly, where do you see yourself, uh, where do you see yourself kind of going with it or, or how do you see it kind of like impacting your work moving forward? Like, are there any specific, uh, ways that it's influenced like projects you want to do or places you want to go or stuff like that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I do want to just keep going. Like, I have no plans of stopping with the YouTube or what I'm doing anytime soon, and especially the, the photography stuff. I want to just keep making that work. But I also want to do other things. Like, I think there's a a lot of potential for really cool publishing 
opportunity, like not just to publish my own work because I do eventually want to put out a real photo book, but also to publish like other people's work and share the work and perspective of younger photographers. Um, so I don't know if that means myself being the publisher and putting out other people's books or what that means, but I think there's a lot of creative potential there as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that is the publishing world is kind of like a an area that can almost be intimidating to people, right? Or, or maybe they don't know mm -hmm. much about, right? So I think mm -hmm. people, maybe they have an idea for a project or something, but they would have no idea where to start or, or who to approach or absolutely how yeah. to get it off the ground. And that's, I think that's all, I say this a lot, but I think that's what's most, the most exciting part is making the physical product, like making a zine and just experimenting with how photos go from making images to a sequence to something you can hold is the most fascinating thing. So I agree, man. It's easy to get caught up just image making um, and I guess collecting images for a while, right? And, and yeah. sometimes that can feel like it never has an end goal to it, right? I think that's okay as well. But yeah, I think just putting out physical things, even if it's a like a hand-stapled zine of that you make three copies of on your mom's printer, like it's just that bringing it physically into the world is what is really exciting to me. So like another step in the creative process, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the finishing process. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So so do you have plans for a photo book? I do have plans to make a, a real, like a real, it's, it's interesting to me because people have been calling my zine a photo book and, and it's such a weird line, like what's a zine and what's a photo book. To, to me, I really do want to make a book of work that I've been making for the past three, four years eventually a hardcover book with like just a real nice traditional layout where just the images speak for itself to me the reason i called svalbard thing walking svalbard the reason i call it a zine is because it's a little more playful in the layout it's a soft cover like a little bit more creative with the design to me when i say photo book i feel like it's a little bit more of a traditional approach but who knows no i think I do that's a good do way one eventually I think that's a good way to put it. I think, you know, you on one hand, you have the people who say like a zine can only be something made on a photocopier and stick yeah. it together in, <laughs> in like a back room or something. Right. But mm -hmm. I think I think it's a good way to categorize it maybe for what we're doing is yeah something a little more playful. Right. Soft yeah. cover uh, like the the design on on Walking Svalbard looks pretty cool. I love the, um, like the transparent dust cover with the snow on it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So excited. I should be getting the, the like wet proof print samples within an hour. So no way. I'm super excited. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. And so I know you, you released that it's not like a, an edition, right? Like it's just open for people to buy. Um, it will be an edition once it's printed right now. It's a pre-order because gotcha. I, I haven't done, I mean, I did my America's playground zine when I think my channel was at like 25k subs. Yeah. And I, I had no idea how many to do. Like, it's such a hard thing to gauge. And For sure. One thing I definitely don't want to do again is is underprint it because there are people who want it. And then I don't, the last thing I would want is to have this photo project be like a pretentious, like hyped up thing that like, hey, it's sold out. Like, check out how cool that is. Totally. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's hard to gauge though man for sure it you is. don't want you also i mean i'm sure yours i don't think you'll have any issues selling it but at the same time i'm sure you don't want a closet full of these things right? so that yeah that's why i did a, a pre-order and that's been super cool the only thing is is the wait time you know when you do a pre-order like you have to wait for them to be produced and but people that i haven't had any complaints about that so for sure you have a zine coming as well right i ordered I, your zine oh no way yeah it's uh right here oh look at yeah. that yeah, so it's honestly, it's just uh, it's one that I made. Uh, I actually had it done like a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. um, and I sent it to get printed. And there were some issues with the printing, and then mm-hmm. um, and then the, so we kind of canceled it, and then it just sat. Um, mm. So I dug it out. It was like I back in 2017, I did a big road trip for like uh, 11 months. We like sold our house and wow. bought a truck and trailer, and and that's when I worked uh, on the majority of like the work that you've seen of mine, like the American Southwest. But near the end of that trip, I, we were in like, uh, Florida, South Carolina, stuff like that. And I just, I had like a, just, uh, old point shoot and some expired films. So I kind of had a, did like a fun side project. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited to see it. I mean, some, you know, just looking at that, some people might be like, that's a book, but. Well, yeah, it's, it's such a hard line to define, but to me, a, a book is different. Well, and I, yeah, I think like obviously with zines too, like the price points lower, you know, I mean, depending on where you get it done, like the printing's probably not going to be as nice and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Right. So, uh, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it, but I would love to do a book as well. That's kind of like next, I, I have this like body of work that I feel like is finished and I just need to kind of make sense of it all. Is that some of the work that people have seen that I've seen? Yeah, yeah, and I I have some ideas for how it'll come together and whatnot, but it's like I feel like I'm getting close to just having to get it done for sure. Totally, yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. I think it would also be really exciting at one point to to curate something like I know your photo was in that book, Observations in the Ordinary. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's super cool. What a cool thing to do to just have a book of all those images together from people like that. I agree, man. Yeah, I, I think it's Noah over at Subjectively Objective. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does a great job with that stuff. Hundred percent. I think it's such a cool book. So, um, what's next for you, man? Or Ooh. do you know? I mean, obviously, right now in this kind of climate, things are on hold a little bit for all of us. Yeah, I know it's so tough. I was gonna say, hmm, I want to work towards this photo book project eventually, which is all of these landscapes, which really the common thread is just the East coast of the U S or the Eastern half even. Um, and I want to keep producing those landscapes, but also eventually wrap it up and start something new because that's been ongoing for so long. Um, and I have been printing all of that in the dark room, which has been super exciting Nice to work through all those images in that way. Um, but I could go on for like 25 minutes about that. <laughs> it's hard to know when, then, to, when to stop, like put the, like stop a project essentially. Yeah, it is. That's why I think a physical product is such a good way to put an end on it. You know, I was um, I, interviewing, uh, do you know, have you heard of Kyler Zeleny? No, I haven't. You should check I out his work on, on Instagram. He's, um, he's a Canadian, but he just, put out his second book his work is just incredible um but i was speaking with him the other day and he had a really interesting way of talking about 
you know, starting a project and, and finishing it. But he he talked about, you know, when he goes into a new project, um, say like creating a book, he always mm-hmm. has the the end in mind. So he'll mm-hmm. figure out before he starts, like what size it might be, you know, what uh, oh, wow. what orientation, like all these little details hmm. that kind of guides him as he makes it, which I thought's a really cool approach. That's really interesting. That's cool if that works for him. I feel like I could never do that, but that's that's <laughs> awesome. I just yeah. saw him. I'm following him already. Yeah, his work is crazy. Yeah, his uh, like his portraits, his environmental portraits are just yeah, so good. Absolutely, wow. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is I want to go back to to Belgium, you know, my home country, and make some some real work there. And how long were you in Belgium for? Um, it, only about eight years, but I always ended up visiting back because I have my family there and I I still feel very Belgian in a weird way, even though I only lived there till I was eight. I still speak Flemish to my family, which is a version of Dutch. Um, and so in that way, I do still feel very Belgian and I do want to go back there. I was back there last Christmas and New Year. and I You like, did a video re- about it, right? I thought I you did a video I'd... about your grandparents. Oh, that was like two years ago, maybe. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, that's one of those original videos <laughs> that just would make me cringe. <laughs> but yeah, like half a year ago, I was there, and I probably made some of my favorite images ever, I think, there. So now I really want to go back with like the intention of making more of that. It's got to be cool, too, in a way, because it's like that's your heritage and that's where you're from. Yet at the same time, you've spent such little time there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really interested in photographing it in the same way that I do here in America. I think that'd be really interesting. Nice. Um, I was going to ask you, I, I was going to ask you a little bit of like camera stuff but i think i'm going to avoid it i like how kind of where our conversation has gone and me too me i mean too. Pe- people can take a look at your instagram and figure things out pretty quickly yeah for sure. <laughs> um, and they it's not like it's a secret on the youtube either so um anyways to wrap things up might be cool uh just i'm curious like what's your takeaway from these last couple of years for you just with uh, your photography and how things have grown like if you had advice for anyone or, or maybe what what you've learned that's really difficult, but I, I, when I look back like two years ago, it's incredible to see how much has changed in my life, I think. So just that initial start for me, just being like, I'm going to put out one video a week, no matter how effing bad they are and how cringy I look and the fact that my hair looks ridiculous like a... F- anyway, yeah, just the <laughs> just just starting it was... was really valuable for me i think and committing to that once a week thing was huge it's the hardest part right like you're essentially putting your your you're sharing your thoughts and ideas and your face and your voice and you're putting it out there on the internet right just yeah. for people to digest however they want absolutely right? it's yeah. such a strange thing and i still feel strange about that like i kind of lose connection with that now when i upload things like if i upload a video now i it sometimes doesn't cross over my mind that like x amount of people are going to be viewing this for this many minutes yeah man i hear you i have this weird feeling it's whenever i upload a video honestly every single time and it never goes away Mm -hmm. i just have this like strange feeling i'm like ah, this is kind of shit like uh, me too i I don't know people are really gonna like is this even valuable even though like i know 
I'm like, I obviously wouldn't have made it if I didn't feel good about like what I was talking about. But there's always that upload doubt for sure. Yeah. Yeah, It comes with the territory, I guess. Cool, man. Well, that's, uh, this was great. Hey man, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. I think it's incredibly cool that you're doing this. Makes me want to restart my own podcast, but I, you know, huge fan of your channel, your work. So I'm very excited to see these conversations that you're going to have with other people. And thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people already know where they can find you, but, uh, Instagram and YouTube are the best places I'm assuming. Yeah, for sure. My Instagram is at Willem Verb and my YouTube is my full name, Willem Verbeek. And your zine is still for sale. Yes, it is pre-order. Yeah. And walking forward. That's just my website, which is www.willemverbeek.com. Sweet. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Okay. We'll chat soon. Take care. So I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Willem. Uh, Just a really great guy and super interesting to hear about the details behind his journey so far. And if you haven't checked out his latest project, Walking Svalbard, uh, definitely hop over to his website and take a look. Uh, It's also still available for pre-order. So I would recommend absolutely uh, picking a copy of that up. Uh, Not only are the images themselves amazing, but uh, the design and the overall layout of the project uh, is really impressive. So as always, uh, if you enjoyed listening today, it would be amazing if you left a review or rating on your favorite podcast platform. So thanks uh, again for all the support, the comments and messages. It just really means a lot and I'm excited to keep this thing going. So until next time, thank you all again and we'll talk to you soon.